Welcome to the Scaling Tech Podcast, where we help you manage your growing engineering team. Through expert interviews, we help you navigate the challenges of leading, hiring, growing, and nurturing your tech team to deliver the value your customers demand. Brought to you by agilityfeet.com, experts in staffing engineering teams in Latin America for clients globally. It's interesting when you talk to developers, uh, they, they see Agile as either either just something on the site that's happening or, or, or really something that's getting in their way of getting work done. And I think we need to figure out how to roll that back. And same for the engineering leaders. I mean, the thing that, that engineering leaders are really concerned about, in my opinion, in my experience is, uh, are we predictable enough? Are we efficient enough? Are we delivering the right things? Uh, you know, the, the questions that, that teams are asked, um, you know, things like, when will it be done? Um, you know, how much is this gonna cost? You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you think about when those questions are asked, uh, they're asked when the team has the least amount of information about the problem that they're, they're trying to solve, right? They're, they're asked when we, we, we are confronted with a problem that is dominated by uncertainty. And the, the, the way the world works this isn't just something that Pratik and I made up, right? It's just the way the world works. Whenever you have uncertainty involved, that demands a probabilistic approach. Welcome to the Scaling Tech Podcast, the podcast for leaders of growing software engineering teams. I'm Aaron Syme, here with my co-host, David Alfaro. David, Hello. today we had a wonderful conversation with Dan Vacanti and Pratik Singh, the host of the Drunk Agile podcast. Talked about a range of things, including probabilistic forecasting. What did you think of today's episode with Dan and Pratik? What should our listeners look out for? Probabilistic forecasting is a very important topic that we dived in. Uh, very recommended uh, the reasons of doing it, um, how to do it, uh, techniques to do it. So it's, it's good. Uh, in particular, at the end of my uh, conversation, I, 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 I had a gr great clarification about uh, some wrong things I've had uh, triggered in Kanban. So it's, it's, it's a good episode to learn about the basics of Kanban and why it's so impactful in the industry. Yeah, I thought the conversation, uh, particularly that you and Dan had around uh, right sizing and service level expectations was really interesting and definitely insightful. So yeah, I encourage our listeners to look out for that. All right, let's get to our interview with Pratik and Dan. Dan Vacante and Pratik Singh are both expert Kanban thought leaders, trainers, and consultants, and they are co-hosts of the Drunk Agile podcast, which you can find on YouTube. They're also both on the advisory board of ProKanban.org. Pratik is co-author of the Kanban Pocket Guide, and Dan is also author of Actionable Agile Metrics for Predictability and co-author of the Kanban Guide. Welcome to the Scaling Tech Podcast, Dan and Pratik. So did we take bets if I was going to get invited back? Aaron, I, I, you know, I, I can't remember. I, 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 uh, I we, yeah, we probably did. I think it was not a matter of if, it was more a matter of when, whether I was going to wait another five years, I think it was, <laughs> to contact you. But yeah. It's only been a little over a year, so I don't remember what we bet, but I hope it was good bourbon because I think I won. Yeah, either way, very, very good to be here. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for having me back yeah, on the show. Thanks for having us. Uh, it's awesome to have you back, Dan, and it's a pleasure to have you for the first time, Pratik. And also, this marks our first joint interview with four guests, yeah. uh, so we're definitely tempting the, uh, the internet guides today with an extra video stream in here. We'll see how that goes. 
But let's start with uh, first things first. Uh, and as I know is the tradition on the Drunk Agile podcast, and as we also enjoyed with Dan last time, I see you both looking around. You know it's coming. What are we drinking today? Uh, I, I had a water. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's, no! It's too it's too too early in the day here to you know for for Dan and I to start getting into. Oh my cups. goodness! But um, we, we we will we, you know what we, what we'll do is we we will have a drink later and send you a copy of what we tracked tonight. <laughs> well, I guess I will accept that. But I, I you violated the first rule of podcasting, which is no one knows what time of day it is when we're recording this. <laughs> so make it the time of day you want it to be, right. which I thought was always bourbon time. But um, anyways, I guess I guess I will represent for the group and say that I did go ahead and pour myself uh, because in my mind, it's late in the afternoon, uh, a little Basil Hayden, um, but uh, and it's only an 80 proof uh, bourbon because I do have work to do after this. It's a, uh, a, bre a breakfast bourbon. Okay, good. It's a breakfast yeah. bourbon, exactly. In fact, it, yeah. it, it does have a, a, a finish of dried fruit, so it really is a breakfast mm. drink. Um, but ch cheers to you uh, whenever you join me later yeah. today. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, cheers. <laughs> Well, my, my coffee feed is uh, appeased by uh, whiskey. I don't have bourbon here, so my um, uh, Johnny Walker whiskey. It's I don't know how how do you how how do you categorize the Johnny Walker whiskey? Is it like I don't know, like throwaway whiskey or? <laughs> I was going to say I don't. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't categorize it as whiskey. But, <laughs> but, hey, but hey, if you're having a rough morning and you need some in your coffee, I, 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 it's something. I need a fix. I need a fix. <laughs> We've got Daniel Pratik on. It's an emergency. Pratik, let's start with uh, how did you and Dan start working together and how did you get started on the Drunk Agile podcast? Yeah, Dan and I started working together about well, 10 years ago. It's probably been that long. It probably feels a lot longer than that. Uh, one of uh, uh, the VP of engineering who I used to work for essentially inflicted Dan upon me and said, go work with this guy and figure out how to help teams get more efficient and predictable and all that fun stuff. And Dan and I started working together back then. It was 2013, 2014. And yeah, we shared an office for a while. The, the, I think people used to be scared to walk by that office because of all the, the yelling that used to come from it. All right. So tell us a little bit more about the Drunk Agile podcast, some of the topics that you discuss on there. I think for us, the, the, the most important thing we probably discuss on the podcast is whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Very quickly after that, we, we really get into uh, just day-to-day -day things that, that trouble Agile teams uh, or, or people looking to become more Agile. How, how do we take a more, uh, if I could say, lean look at Agile and look at it through the metrics of flow and, and look at it through that lens? That, that, that's usually what we get into whiskey and then some random ramblings about agile and metrics <laughs> yeah we, we we start we started getting together during the the, the pandemic um, because as, as most people know um, the pandemic didn't didn't exist in Florida 
Um, so we, you know, we, we, we'd get, we'd get together and talk about stuff. And what we realized is that, you know, our conversations and our ability to solve problems got so much better, you know, the more drinks that we had. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, you know, one day we were like, ah, we should probably just start recording this. And, um, you know, so, so we did. And so just anything, honestly, it's usually just something that, that makes us angry. We get there, you know, I'll, I'll slack critique or he'll call me up and it'll be like, Hey, we need to do a drunk agile on this. And so that's what happened. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if, um, I mean, this is something that makes me angry about agile is, is like estimation and forecasting. I don't know if that's one of the things that makes you angry or not, but maybe we can we can start there and then drift around to whatever topics you you guys are angry about today. But I know in our last conversation with you, Dan, you mentioned we should talk more about probabilistic forecasting. And for any listeners who didn't hear that episode, um, let's start with a, a high level view of forecasting and Kanban. What's different from other methods like Kanban, and then. Uh, other methods like Scrum, excuse me, and then get into a little more details around probabilistic forecasting. So who wants to start? Pratik. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, that's, that's a great set of questions to start with. Um, <laughs> first of all, for, for, from, from at least Dan and my perspective, um, we like to look at things first completely framework, method, etc., agnostic. Let's just look at this stuff as as simply work flowing through a system. Now we can gather some some data from it, some metrics from it, and the other approaches. Since we can observe work flowing through a system and gather gather data and metrics on it, can we use those metrics from the real work to forecast uh, when stuff will be done or make some predictions that are grounded in real data? It so happens that that's very commonly associated with Kanban, but uh, Dan would probably say, say the same thing. You can apply this to any kind of system that you're working on. The, the things that we will talk about today, hopefully. Yep. Um, and and from, from a probabilistic side of things, uh, you know, the, the questions that, that teams are asked, um, you know, things like, when will it be done? Um, you know, how much is this going to cost? You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you think about when those questions are asked, uh, they're asked when the team has the least amount of information about the problem that they're, they're trying to solve, right? They're, they're right. asked when we, we, we are confronted with a problem that is dominated by uncertainty. And the, the, the way the world works isn't just something that Pratik and I made up, right? It's just the way the world works. Whenever you have uncertainty involved, that demands a probabilistic approach, right? I mean, that's, that, that's just kind of it. I mean, probability is intrinsic, um, you know, to, 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 to the way we, to the way that we work. So when you want to answer those questions, it's really about understanding, hopefully being able to qualify, uh, quantify, uh, you know, the risk associated with certain outcomes, you know, so somebody says, when will it be done? You can't give them, you know, an exact deterministic answer, but what we can probably do using the metrics that Pratik just, just mentioned is quantify some level of risk and say, Hey, based on some outcome that you're looking for, you know, here, here is your percentage chances of, of that happening. Did, did I wave my hands and was I, was I just abstract <laughs> enough about that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, no, it, the concept definitely makes sense to me. And I think it's, it's very, I mean, it is feel very real world, right? That everything is uh, 
probabilistic. It's not deterministic. Uh, and, you know, you have that classic uh, cone of uncertainty. Uh, Steve, Steve McConnell talked about in the 90s, I think it was, uh, of, around, you know, how we don't, we, you know, over time, we can presumably be a little more accurate in our estimates, but we really don't know at the beginning when, when we know, when we have the least information at hand, right? But that's the point in time where people want to make the strategic decisions, right? So kind of how do you, how do you handle that? How does an engineering leader talk to uh, business or executives in probabilistic terms and get them to really dial in on that and understand the implication of that to the decision at hand? Yeah. Just as a quick aside, you know, we, we, since we're talking about things that make me angry, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think that the cone of uncertainty has done a disservice, you know, to, to okay. our industry. Um, I don't know if we talked last last time about, uh, you know, about hurricane forecasting, but when you look at the National Hurricane Center, when they put out their forecasts, every for, every updated forecast they put out, that cone doesn't shrink. Right? right, the cone stays essentially the same size because they recognize that that all of that uncertainty is still inherent, um, and I would argue the same thing happens with us. There's we do not get more accurate and more precise over time. Um, mm -hmm. Make different decisions, of, you know, based on you know what what we've seen, but we're not necessarily driving out, um, you know, significantly driving out uncertainty such that you know those those, those limits converge on some precise number, yeah, if, if that makes any sense. No, it does to, to me completely. Um, and actually gets to one of my favorite little biases in, in software estimation in general, the, the idea that we think we're, uh, um, we think we are more accurate over time when forecasting something because we were wrong last time. So it's kind of like, well, I made this mistake before and because of that, I was off by a factor of three. So I'm not gonna make that mistake again. So therefore, this time I'll be more accurate without accounting for the fact that there's some other mistake I'm likely to make that will still be off by some factor. Right. So kind of abusing your hurricane analogy, maybe it's more accurate to say, like, yeah, the, 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 the cone hasn't really changed of that forecast for the hurricane, but it has still moved. Right. We, we at least now do know for sure where the hurricane was up until this point. And so the direction that the, the cone is pointed has changed, right? And so in a software development project, we, you know, we, we can maybe still look back at where we've been and have a little more accurate view of where we want to go next or where we're going next, where momentum is taking us next, even if we're not still going to be super accurate about the individual task estimation uh, from there. Now, feel free to get angry about that if that doesn't make sense. I'm just trying to provoke you. I find myself agreeing with you. And that, I just, that yeah. just oh, well, that's, <laughs> that's very frustrating. Were you going to say something about that? I... Well, no, I was, was going to go back to, to, to Dan, Dan very, very quickly sidestep the actual question that was asked. Um, which was... <laughs> Which is now that now, now there are all these senior leaders trying to make, uh, and, and you said it perfectly, uh, essentially an economic decision, right? To say, mm -hmm. what do we work on? What do we not work on? Um, you're telling me that there is this whole cone that things can fall in. How do I make a decision based on that? Uh, that that's the reason people are pushing for these for these estimates to find out what decision do we need to make? What do we need to work on? How do we sequence these things? Um, 
I don't know if you picked up on this, but Dan earlier when he was talking about probabilistic forecasting mentioned my favorite word in all of this, which is risk. What we are really trying to do is give people an idea of uh, of what is the risk uh, which 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 is inherent into this particular in this forecast. If you mm-hmm. want to get stuff done by August thirty first, sure we can get stuff done by August thirty first, but there's about a forty percent chance of that happening. Uh, Are you okay taking taking that 60% risk? Now we can have a smarter, more adult uh, economic (laughs) conversation of what is the risk we're willing to take. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, From the the book, Actionable Agile Metrics for Predictability, I think I can get an example of, I mean, I've been thinking through all this conversation, what is a good example? What is a good example of when I am asked uh, uh, about uh, forecasting and a pro- prob- pro- probabilistic forecasting, what is a good statement that could be as an example? And from my, when, from what I can read from the book is um, from for an individual work item, the cycle time percentiles from a scatter plot give a probab- probabilistic uh, forecast, right? So a good example could be the 85th percentile cycle time means a 85% chance of completion within that time. So in that way, we I am providing a time within a probabilistic range. Is that a, a good example? That, that's that's a perfect example right and 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 if if you if you don't like that if not you david but if anybody <laughs> one person doesn't like doesn't like that answer you know then then there's then we, we we've got options you know um uh we, we can change our risk profile we can change the process we can you know change you know you know change whatever but at least now and this is what Pratik was saying. At least now we've got um, you know some information around which to have that that conversation. You know, um, right. instead of saying, you know, yes, with one hundred percent certainty, this this is this is what's going to happen. Um, let, let's talk let's talk about more about um, this is where Andy Duke's work I think comes into play. Let, let's mm-hmm. talk more about the, the the bet that we're placing and uh, is this a, an economically justifiable bet? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that you mentioned in the book is that little, I think, uh, if not, please correct me, Little's, Little's law and simple averages should not be used for forecasting. And you expand that. I can. We've only got 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> is that, let me, let me, yeah, as, let me, as, as fundamentally as possible. As you can. <laughs> the, 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 the 25 word or less answer, I would say, as to why you don't use Little's Law for forecasting is because uh-huh. Dr. Little himself said, don't use Little's Law for forecasting. He's got, <laughs> he's actually got at least three papers that I can point to where he uh-huh. says, don't use Little's Law for forecasting. You know, because you see, he talks about how Little's Law is all about looking backward over what has happened in the process. It's not about looking forward. Um, but even so, the, uh, so that, that to me, that's the, the fundamental flaw. Um, but, but, you know, t- t- taking Doctor Little out of this, uh, for, you know, for a second, um, people forget that Little's law is a relationship of averages. You know, essentially arithmetic means it's a relationship of averages. So even if you could use that formula to do a forecast, 
you know, you, you'd be making a forecast that's based on an average. And this is where, as anybody who's listened to the Drunk Agile podcast knows, anytime you hear the word average, the very next thing that you need to think about is the flaw of averages, you know, and, and the book is called The Flaw of Averages by Dr. Sam Savage, but, which the basic premise is, you know, um, plans based on average fail on average. So <laughs> absolutely make, make a forecast based on an average, but you are going to be wrong an average amount of time, you know, is again, is that the risk you're willing to live with? Mm-hmm. I don't know how they do. Well, I, I mean, if you look at some, um, uh, I haven't seen one recently, I guess, but at least some of the older, like, what was it? The Standish Chaos Group reports, they, they said that 80% of projects fail. So I guess if you're failing on average, does that mean 50% of the time? That sounds like an improvement if we're only failing 50% of the time. So, well, I, well, notice, that's... So, and, that's, that, see, and that's another, <laughs> you know, if I can, can uh, I'm, I'm just going to monopolize the conversation here. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, I, that, that's, that's one assumption that people make is when they say, oh, f- fail on average means we're failing 50% of the time. Um, but not to get too mathematically geeky on you, but you really have to understand what the underlying distribution of your data is. Um, and unfortunately with our data, you know, we have an extremely, what, what do we, and do we ever figure this out of a fat, fat tail? Thin tail, um, fat tail, I think fat tail, fat tail, fat tail. Whatever yeah. we call it. Um, yeah. But our, our data is skewed, which means that that, you know, that average is pulled much, 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 much further, probably to the right or to the left, depending on, on how you're looking at it. Uh, average could mean much, you know, significantly much, much more than 50%. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. Uh, well, if I can, I mean, even though we, we just said that, uh, uh, the little slow and simple averages should not be used for forecasting. If we, the fact is that if we violate the assumptions, uh, like little slow, um, we are going to make probabilistic forecasting more difficult, right? Yeah, more difficult, if not even impossible. Yeah, right. So ab- absolutely right. So yeah. Little's laws. I mean, if we could use Little's law for forecasting, that's the right. best case scenario, right? That we right. we would be we would be wrong an average amount of time. But you're absolutely right, right Tabid. Every time we start violating those assumptions behind Little's law, our chances. I mean, we've, de- we've essentially destabilized our system, and our chances of even being right on average, you know, pretty much mm-hmm. goes away. Yeah, you're exactly right. 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 Now the 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 book the 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 Kanban pocket guide talks talks about um, uh, something that caught my attention because I I've it's been so long since last time I heard of it about the the service level expectation mm-hmm. and how, how how that comes uh, how that changes the uh, how that affects the way we forecast um, or affects or, or how we should take that into account. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, just very quickly, this, this cert, if anybody goes out and reads the Kanban guide, and for anybody who's not familiar with right. uh, Kanban, I highly recommend it. It's just kanbanguides.org, shameless plug, mm-hmm. just go out and go read the mm-hmm. Kanban guide. And in the Kanban guide, there's this thing called the Service Level Expectation, or SLE. Um, and um, the point of the SLE, actually to simplify things a little bit for you to be, uh, the point of the SLE is the SLE is your forecast. We don't necessarily mm-hmm. take it into account. Right. It, it is right, your forecast. Right. And the way that we, we calculate that, that SLE is we look at our historical cycle time. The SLE is, is, is based on cycle time. We look mm-hmm. at our historical cycle time 
Um, and we, we can calculate these percentages, as you alluded to before. And, you know, and again, de depending on our risk threshold, you know, do we want to be wrong, you know, 15% of the time? Do we want to be wrong 30% of the time? You know, wh whatever that risk threshold is, um, then we can, we can make a statement that says something along the lines of, just for example, um, you know, 70% of our items take eight days or less to complete, right? That's a service level expectation. All that's telling us is that's, as the name implies, that's how long, when, when, once an item starts in our process, that's how long we expect it to flow through. It's an expectation. Mm -hmm. It's not a commitment. It's mm -hmm. an expectation because again, it's a probabilistic statement recognizing that, you know, we are going to be wrong. There's uncertainty here. And so we, you know, there's a, a decent chance that we are going to be wrong. Hmm. So it means that while you are calculating the SLE, you have a good chance to identify aging work items. You can spot them, right? Exactly. And that's, that's the, for me, that's probably the number one use of the service level expectation mm -hmm. is because if, if we have this expectation set of how long items should flow through our process, then one of the tools that we can we can bring into our conversation, as you mentioned, is another metric which never gets talked about um, in, in, in any other framework, you know, other than Kanban, um, which is something called work, work, work item age. Um, and so as items are flowing through our process, they're aging. And so we can constantly be, be comparing that age to our service level expectation. And as those items age and their age gets closer and closer to the SLE, mm -hmm. You know, that should prompt some conversations about, hey, why aren't these items flowing the way that we expect them to? You know, um, are they too big? Do we need to break them up? You know, are they blocked? You know, and so do we need to do something about the blocker? Uh, are they even still valuable? Should we even still be working on them anymore? You know, do we need and do we need to kick them out of our process? Right. There's all kinds of information, all kinds of questions that we can be asking uh, to get those items to flow through our process the way that we expect them to. Now, uh, 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 the a very old question I I remember having uh, about Kanban is that um, the work item size, mm -hmm. because it, I think I, I remember that there was a huge assumption that the size was uh, more or less similar among all the work items. Uh, so we can build on top of that the rest of, of this framework. Yeah. Is that correct? It's 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 one of the it's one of the biggest myths in Kanban, uh, and maybe mm -hmm. even in flow in general, but especially Kanban, that all items that are flowing through your process uh, need to be of the, the same or, as you mentioned, you know, similar size. Mm -hmm. Nowhere, if you go read any of the literature, nowhere in Dr. Little's work, nowhere in Deming and Schuert's work, no nowhere, at least that I can find anywhere, nowhere does it say that work has to be um, the the same size. In fact. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Walter Schuert and Deming said quite the opposite. They said variation in your sizing is going to exist, and there's nothing that you can do to, huh. to eliminate that that variation. And and so what they say is, you know, actually embrace the fact that there is going to be this variation in size. So the question now becomes, because we know that there's going to be variation in size, the question becomes, well, how much variation is too much variation? At what point does something maybe become too big or even potentially too small, you know, how do we get that signal that something is too big versus too small and only take action when we get that signal. So don't worry about upfront trying to get everything to be the same size. 
recognize that there's going to be, you know, variability wow. in item sizes um, and only take action. So yeah, you, it looks like a light bulb went off there to be honest. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, it is, I, I, for some reason, I have a very, I have wired in my brain that is that it's, it's going to be very hard for you to implement Kaman if you don't have similar sizes across the board. Right. Uh, and I'm trying to process that now. I mean, it's like now my world is is scattered, is shattered. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and again, that that's kind of the point of the service level expectation. Notice, I mean, the statement I said is you know eight 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 days or less, right? There's a range there. We know when an item enters our process. Oh, I see. I see. I see. That's why the range. Two right, days. Right. It could take three days. It could take seven point six days. You know, we 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 don't know. We're, we're, what we're saying is we're acknowledging that there is this range of, of possible outcomes and there's a probability associated with this range. I can't tell you before an item starts, I can't tell you any more than that. That's the best right. I can do. Right, right. Still, it helps, I will guess. It, so if if you're telling me that that, that we're going to have like a, like a variation tolerance somewhere checking mm -hmm. the sizes, it doesn't hurt if Wait, I'm maybe I'm mixing concepts. So, <laughs> yeah, no, let me repurpose the question. So, when it comes to put work items into the system, how much effort should we put into sizing <laughs> work items? Yeah, and that, that, that's that's a great next question. Um, right. <laughs> because now, now that we have our SLE, um, which the SLE is basically a statement around that you know how how much variation in size that we're willing to work with, right? We can we can introduce a concept known as right sizing, and I believe we talk about right sizing in the, in the Kanban pocket guide as well. Um, and right sizing is just this idea of you know before we pull an item into our process, having a quick conversation and say, hey, based on what we know about this thing right now, which we recognize is not very much. We don't know very much about this thing, but based on what we know about it. Do we think we can fit it within the SLE? The way that it's defined right now, do we think it fits within the SLE? Mm -hmm. If the answer to that is yes, conversation's over. You start working on it. If the answer to that is no, you start talking about okay, how 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 can we how can we break things up? You know, potentially break it up, uh, potentially redefine it, potentially do you know do 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 other things uh, to make it such that it, so, we think it will fit within the SLE. In case that we discover down the road that it, it didn't fit into the SLA, we are going we we're going to have mechanisms to deal with that down the road anyway. Absolutely. And that's 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 the aging that, that we're talking about. That's the aging, when, exactly yeah. the aging. I see, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. When, when it looks when it looks like something's too you know not flowing the way that we expect it to, when it's when it's gathering too much age, the number generally speaking, the number one culprit of that is this thing is too big. Right. We, we probably need to break it up. You know, we, uh -huh. we, we thought it was this size, but it's really this size. Can, can we break this thing up, you know, in, mm -hmm. into smaller pieces? Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, if we break it up, then I, I will guess that the part that is almost done stays where it is, and the part that is pending goes back to the, to the beginning of the process. Yeah, as as an option, that's probably my preferred option. But you know, right. we've got you've got. I mean, there's all kinds of different strategies that yeah, it depends. To, right, right. To handle that absolutely. But but yes, mm -hmm. yeah, yes. The, the, those are the types of so uh, so 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 basically, what you are doing is or saying is that instead of uh, trying to 
instead of instead of spending effort on trying to be precise even trying to get too accurate on things at the beginning focus on the flow and how the flow works and having the proper mechanisms to deal with things that go beyond the uh the ranges that you establish or limits uh and having an emphasis instead of trying to predict everything from the start you, you, uh, you, yes you got it then yeah. then then things work out well basically exactly right it's, it's it's that idea of embracing uncertainty and, and trying to move to, right. to to just in time uh, mm -hmm. you know as much as possible because from from a lean perspective all those upfront estimation and planning techniques are waste because we know we know what's going to change we know mm -hmm. so you know, instead of investing on upfront planning and estimation, you know, the better use of our time is to, you know, is, is to engineer a process where work flows through, you know, as efficiently, as effectively, as predictably as possible. That's right. where we're yeah. going to get the most, most bang for the buck. I see. I see. I see. So when I was comparing the two books, uh, what I noticed in the first one is that the first book, I mean, sorry, the first is, sorry, is that the actual agile metrics for predictability. I noticed that in that, I think that that book is is making a contrast between traditional, what, what we call in agility, the, tr the traditional way of project management against Kanban. Um, and in the book, the Kanban pocket guide, I, I noticed a c comparison, the, the alternatives for me are between Scrum and Kanban. Uh, is that correct? Is that appreciation right? Um, I don't I know. know. <laughs> That's, I mean, if it's if it's there, I don't know how intentional it was. I mean, certainly, yeah, certainly uh -huh. some some bits, you know, what, you know, a, a compare and contrast is is useful because you know, let, let's face it, so much in the industry is is kind of familiar with Scrum, or at least uh -huh. they think they're familiar with Scrum, mm -hmm. um, but not so many people are, are familiar with with, with 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 flow concepts. So, um, right. And I mean, yeah. for me, it was useful because I was. Uh, I was more in the Scrum side than in the camp. I only knew some things about Kanban. No, not much. Yeah. Now I'm getting more enlightened, enlightened about that. <laughs> and I appreciate that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad to be part of that enlightenment, or at least I hope I, I'm contributing. Um, yeah, no, just, just to double, double down on something Pratik said earlier um, uh -huh. was this idea of, you know, when we talk about flow metrics, we don't really care about what you know. You know, if you're using Scrum, if you're using Safe, if you're using Kanban, we, we right, don't right. we don't necessarily care. I see. You can see. use this with, with any of them. Now, there are certain, you know, I think approaches that make flow easier than others. You know, for for sure. Building custom WebRTC video applications is hard, but your go live doesn't have to be stressful. <laughs> We thought we were ready to launch our video application, but we discovered it's a lot harder than we thought. Live video applications are not like building other web or mobile apps. Our team worked hard out there today, but we just didn't have all the right pieces. I'll tell you what we should have done. We should have brought in the live video experts from WebRTC Ventures. If you're building a live video application, then trust the experts at WebRTC.Ventures to help you design, build, test, deploy, and manage your custom-built application, or integrate live video into your existing application. Contact us today at WebRTC.Ventures. 
Right. So, Pratik, uh, a lot of our conversation today is, we could say, perhaps a little Scrum Master focused, a little project uh, manager focused, even, and sort of our conversations around right sizing and and uh, uh, Scrum versus Kanban, if you know, or Scrum and Kanban. It doesn't have to be a versus thing here, certainly. But what about uh, let's let's take a little more of an engineering developer spin on this. Uh, Pratik, what do you think are some of the things that like are missing in uh, kind of the conversation around agile in general um, these days that engineering leaders and developers need to be particularly focused on? Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting when you talk to developers, uh, they they see agile as either either just something on the side that's happening or 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 really something that's getting in their way of getting work done. And I think we need to figure out how to roll that back. And same for the engineering leaders. I mean, the thing that, that engineering leaders are really concerned about, in my opinion, in my experience, is uh, are we predictable enough? Are we efficient enough? Are we delivering the right things? Um, the, the flow metrics that Dan's been talking about, that we all have been talking about, all these conversations around right-sizing and, uh, and limiting whip, we didn't talk a lot about that, but uh, those become even more important when we're talking about these things like predictability and efficiency all those all, all those things become so much more important from a leadership perspective as well as from a developer perspective i as a developer the worst thing i want is i'm heads down working and someone comes in and tells me hey is this a three-story point or an eight-story point that's not the conversation <laughs> right. i am interested in yeah right Right, right, right. So, I mean, from a developer point of view, I, for me, it would be a relief that that I don't have to spend so much time in upfront this estimation, and that's number one. And uh, um, and and the other thing that is very attractive is that I um, I would be focusing and working in one thing at a time. I mean, mm-hmm. the entire system. Or framework is is so I can get focused, and there is nothing more important for a developer to have that sense of concentration and <laughs> uninterrupted yeah. doing just one thing until it is done. I appreciate that a lot as a developer. Yeah, and and even more, even the, I mean, again, as as an ex developer, I'm 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 a recovering developer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, the thing that the other thing that bothers developers a lot is you're taking me away for 15 minutes for this thing, then you're taking me away for three hours for a planning meeting, then another two, three hours for a perspective. Uh, how do we make those? If you are going to take me away for these, and they are important, how do we make them those meetings more efficient and potentially get done faster so I can get back to work? So the time I spend in those meetings actually gives value to the team. As well as we just don't sit there and talk about random things, how do we focus on them? And that's where right. I think a lot of the work that Dan and I have been doing, that Pro Kanban's been doing, has come in. How do we make the Scrum and Safe and all these other uh, frameworks a lot more efficient by introducing some of these metrics to them? Yeah, yeah, that's something I've, I've, I really appreciate, certainly about this conversation today, as well as the one that we had previously with Dan, is the focus on flow and delivering value over um, being too dogmatic about, you know, any any particular process versus the other, right? I think that, and I think that's what, I think that's what engineering leaders want, right? Is that they, they, they signed up not to become an expert in, 
human biases around estimation or forecasting or, you know, they, they didn't sign up for a ton of statistics courses. They signed up on delivering value and learning about one piece flow. And, and the I think the beautiful way that Kanban really reinforces that for teams helps, you know, if, if that provides a solid framework for them to focus on delivering value and the things that they really enjoy kind of in their work, then that's wonderful, right? Uh, but the focus has to remain on that. Are we delivering the right thing at the right time? Yeah, that's that's my soapbox, I guess, for today. But um, <laughs> Pratik, you mentioned we're, we're getting near the end of our time here, and you mentioned ProConban.org. So let's uh, remind our audience about what is ProConban.org and the work that you and Dan do there. Well, ProConban.org is, is, is a community of people interested in and helping promote these simple strategies that we've been talking about so far, um, the simple strategy of Kanban that can be layered on top of anything that you're doing, uh, that's that's what Pro Kanban is a community-led thing. We all come together to talk about the stuff and 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 help promote it. Um, our CEO is Colleen Johnson. Dan's one of the co-founders. Does a whole bunch of work for, uh, for Pro Kanban. I'm the head of learning and development there. I help trainers, uh, Pro Kanban trainers. Uh, be more effective, efficient, I guess. Um, yeah, that's that, that, that's what we do. Dan, anything to add there? Yeah, um, in, in most areas of Agile, especially in Kanban, um, there's not really a, a safe, diverse, inclusive community that people can go to to learn about these concepts. You know, that just doesn't exist. And so when Colleen, got, Colleen and I got together uh, to develop Pro Kanban, that, that was really our motivation is, you know, how, how do we make this a safe space to learn? Hopefully, excellent. If you're interested in learning more, come check us out. That's ProConban.org. Um, uh, we definitely encourage our listeners to check that out. Uh, Dan, uh, and then Pratik, how can our listeners get in touch with you individually for more information? Uh, well, one of the if you if you're if you're watching Drunk Agile, definitely the YouTube channel. We read all the comments. We respond to all the comments. Uh, you can hit either of us up on LinkedIn. You can find us on LinkedIn pretty easily, and uh, you'll, you'll probably we, we try to respond to everything. Now, that probably the easiest way would be you join the ProKanban.org Slack channel, and then Slack us from there because that those those messages pop up for us immediately. Excellent. All right. Well, Pratik and Dan, thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with us today on the Scaling Tech Podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Thank uh, thanks, thanks for having us, and uh, nice we look forward to you repaying the favor uh, on our Drunk Agile podcast very, very soon. <laughs> no, I will, I will uh, show up drunk. I'd be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> and another <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us on the Scaling Tech Podcast, where we help you manage your growing engineering team. Brought to you by agilityfeet.com experts in staffing engineering teams in Latin America for clients globally. For more information on today's episode and to submit your ideas for future guests, please visit scalingtechpod.com.